It is Locked On Jazz for the 29th of November. The same margin that was on our side is now costing the Jazz games. Spreading the wings was a good thing. Now it's the same thing that's causing the problems. Lots of good signs, but clutch play continues to be a problem. Trickle-down effect is real, and we'll run around the league with some interesting things that are going on. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen Every day, we are available Monday through Friday right here, plus postcasts every every game with Ron Boom. So please follow on whatever podcast app you listen to. We are free on all podcasting apps and available on YouTube for you. You can subscribe there, hit the little bell button, participate in the chat room as well. All right, um, really what's going on with the Utah Jazz is the exact same thing that was leading to wins is now leading to losses. The exact same thing. In other words, the margin between a win and a loss in this league this year is super slim. Jazz, I think, were a two-point favorite last night. Um, Every night, night in and night out, there's a very slim level that's determining who wins and who loses. Boston, I think, might be better than everybody else. Their offense is is way better than the rest of the league right now. Um, and so maybe they're better than everyone else. But really, other than that, and maybe, you know, there's a team that's way worse than everybody else. I, um, my instinct would be that it's probably Houston at this point um, or San Antonio, the way San Antonio's playing. Houston's playing a little bit better. But generally, if you look at the top, you know, five or take out the top two or three teams in the league. Um, and frankly, I have, you know, Phoenix is almost plus seven, but, you know, that you would take them out. And you take out the bottom two or three teams in the league. So Charlotte, Detroit, who just beat us in San Antonio, the margin's almost none. And even on those guys, the margins, you get them into the game and the margin's not that big. So the when, when the margin's not that big, now you're into these little tiny things here and there that are the difference between winning and losing. And those things, the Jazz, earlier this year, were doing right. They were grabbing the extra offensive rebound. They were forcing the extra turnover. They were making the clutch shots. They were doing all of those things correctly in the right manner. And right now, quite honestly, they're ju- they're not. Last night, it was a sequence of three straight turnovers that, in my opinion, swung the game. Will Hardy, much bigger picture, probably more accurate, says, hey, lack of energy in the third quarter. Certainly, both of those... Um, were huge sequences in the game. But the Jazz last night kind of are in the game. They're working their way back, and they commit three straight fatal turnovers. And what I mean by fatal turnovers is turnovers in which you commit a turnover and a live ball turnover, steal on the other side, and it's a fast break that goes back the other direction. And it's just easy points. And when you commit those fouls and those easy points, it becomes almost impossible to overcome 
that in the game. Rick Carlisle used to say that you have three fatal turnovers a night. If you commit three of them, you're dead. We committed three of them on three straight possessions, if I have it correctly. Um, You know, that's a problem. And those are the little plays that are the difference between us winning and losing games. We weren't making those little mistakes earlier in the season. Those were plays that, you know, we frankly, we executed a little bit better. We didn't, we didn't throw it away. And it didn't lead to, you know, fast breaks back-to-back. 10.42 left. So early fourth quarter, 11.18 left. We're trying to work our way back. We're down 86-82. Saxton throws a pass. Drogic steals it uh, with soft pass. Drogic goes the other way. Easy layup. Next possession, Markinen turns it over. Bad pass, Levine steal, white dunks. Timeout, Clarkson bad pass, uh, Drummond with the steal, Drummond with the layup. Those three possessions, back to back to back. And then you add in that we did it again later when Kelly Olenek turned it over, and it turned into, after an Olenek turnover, then Sexton commits the foul, and they get a four-point swing on that. Th- those are m- mammoth plays. Um, and they get, you know, just add insult to injury, they get the fourth point on that sequence by uh, DeMar DeRozan offensive rebound and then he scores, right? So we don't clear the glass, which has been a bugaboo also. And at that time, it was 104-100 when Linux spins, spacing's not great, there's another guy there, and they steal it. Th- those two sequences were within four both times. That- that's the game. Will's right, the third quarter wasn't particularly good, but in my opinion, that's the game. Those are the little margins, little thin margins that we, we weren't doing, that we were doing better beforehand. They're kind of the same thing, right? What's interesting about this is what I think is the same things that were the positives earlier right now are, are coming back to bite a little bit as the negatives. And so what I mean by that is one of the reasons why this team, I think, had such a soul and so engaged and still does, frankly, they played pretty hard. They um, were in the game. They're not getting blown out. Like, they still have all of these really positive characteristics they've had all season long, despite losing five in a row. I think they have those characteristics because they have this little chip on their shoulder. You know, when Will Hardy says they have heart, I also think every single player on this roster is getting to spread his wings. In other words, when the Clippers come to town now, Kawhi and Paul George did not are not playing tonight, and they're on a back-to-back, so it seems unlikely they're going to play against us. And so then everyone on that team gets to spread their wings again. But if you're playing for the Lakers, you're not spreading your wings. You're playing in whatever role they have for you to match LeBron and AD. Um, and if you're playing on a bunch of teams that are you know really loaded, you don't, you don't get to expand your game as far as you might like to. Every single one of our guys on our roster right now is getting to spread their wings and expand their game to kind of the max level that they possibly have. That's what's caused this engagement. That's what's caused this team to have its personality. This is what's caused this team to have a soul. That's what's caused this team to have heart. It's also what's causing this team to make mistakes, right? You're pushing Colin Sexton with his wings all the way spread to run a team right now. You're pushing Lowry Markinen with his wings all the way spread to be a number one guy. You're pushing Kelly Olenek to be, you know, play 30 minutes a night, which he's never done for an entire season. And, the most you possibly can. And, and he turns, you're asking Jordan Clarkson to have nine assists last night. So all of our guys are being asked to do a little bit more than they've ever been asked to do, which is a huge positive, but it also, in this circumstance, is I think what kind of came back 
to get is coming back to get the Jazz in some of these games. Now, without we've also talked a lot in this program over the years about the rightful order of the basketball universe, and I'm not sure this team has you know, best teams have rightful order of a basketball universe, like Boston, Jason Tatum, and then Jalen Brown, and then probably Marcus Smart. And then, you know, everyone kind of understands exactly what the pecking order is, and your wings fit into that spot. And that's the rightful order of the basketball universe. Like, I think the Clippers have no rightful order of the basketball universe because nobody ever plays. So it's very, very difficult for them. But, and I think Denver's worth watching right now. I think, you know, their rightful order of the basketball universe is really clear, and you're just waiting for everyone to get ready, and they're knocking on the door as the number one seed in the West while Jamal Murray begins to get ready. Like, in last night, Jamal Murray busted out with 31, um, and they're still trying to figure out where Michael Porter Jr. works, but everyone knows that that's Jokic's world. And Aaron Gordon kind of compliments off that, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so anyway, I think, you know, those are th- those things that rightful order of the basketball universe is coming back. The same thing to kind of bite us a little bit. Now, there was a bunch of ton, ton of really cool things last night. Like, um, and that's kind of consistent also to who the Jazz have been is um, the three-point shooting last night was fabulous. The fact that the Jazz are just getting off that many three-point shots on a nightly basis, that was how you were going to win last night. You were going to hit 19 threes and they were going to hit six. And the Jazz actually did that. Um, they then you know, lost the free throw line by 16 points to negate some of that and then gave up a few extra offensive rebounds, uh, 13 to 9. And then the live ball turnovers, though, um, they turned Jazz turned over 14 times, which isn't terrible. The live ball turnovers are not great. They gave up, I think, six live ball turnovers, and we've talked about four of them. Um, we just happened to do it in bunches. And the I think they were you know plus about five or six on the turnover, so they just whittled away. But that's how you were going to win last night. And that three-point shooting's great. I mean, to have three guys with double-digit threes is pretty in, in, fantastic. The other one I would say is I thought that was the best game I've seen Colin Sexton play. Um, his six assists were really good. These aren't complicated reads, but he's making he was making the right reads. Like, he was bringing the defender to him and hitting the corner three guy. Like, I, I think we saw a lot of growth uh, in that regard from Colin last night and the way he's playing. Um, I think he was plus five, and I'm not sure anybody else was positive other than Doak. Uh, on the roster last night. So I thought, you know, we're seeing as the wings are spread, right? We're seeing the positive and the negatives. Colin last night was as as solid and a lot of the things he did probably made a mistake or two, certainly, that were costly because he's not perfect yet, um, and nor will he ever be. The game is imperfect. But he's he's improved in a decent amount um, from where he was. Um, we'll talk some more about that. Well, clutch play is a huge problem. And then, you know, the, the trickle-down effect of no Mike Conley is is certainly pretty massive. Um, as well. So we'll touch on both those things as we continue here today uh, on Locked on Jazz. It's a Tuesday edition of Locked on Jazz. It is brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundai lineup of cars, just outstanding, great in this weather. The Palisade is the King Poobah, King uh, Daddy of all the SUVs. It's just gorgeous, totally fabulous. And then on the bottom end of that, size-wise, is the Kona, the smaller, zippy one. Think about the Subaru, kind of similar, very similar to the Subaru uh, Crosstrek. And in the middle are the Tucson and the Santa Fe. We own two of the Santa Fe's. It's the great SUV you can get. The Murdochs have been in Utah for over 80 years. They've got the Utah culture. They understand who we are, what we're all about, and they maintain that in how they deal with all their customers. That's why they have the no regrets policy. Go check it out for yourself. When I did the research, to me, Hyundai gave you more bells, more whistles for less dollars, and that's why we've bought three of them now um, since we've been involved with Murdoch Hyundai, and you can check it out yourself. If you're going to stop by, let's make sure we get you the Lockdown VIP treatment at any of the locations in Logan, Linden, or in Murray. Email me first 
at dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show also brought to you by Toro. Toro is the largest ride-sharing app out there. Uh, Toro, kind of cool, whatever it is you might need, instead of one of those boring rental cars, you can go find your drive at Turo.com, T-U-R-O.com. With Toro, you can book any car you want, whether you want it from a community of local hosts. Um, you can get a huge selection of U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event or birthday. Find the affordable economy car you need on a budget just to get from A to B. Test drive a new electric car. Whatever it might be, the Turo hosts have the answer for you, and many of them can deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions to apply. Forget the boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo, T-U-R-O dot com. That's T-U-R-O dot com. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, please... Check out Locked On Sports today. All right, the obvious one that's going on is clutch play without Mike Conley. So if we go before Mike Conley got hurt, in the clutch, the Jazz were 8-3 and three in 11 games. Their offensive rating was 125. Their defensive rating was a 107. They were a plus 17.5. Their... Turnover rate, we'll just look at some of these specifics. The turnover rate was 11%. Don't worry, you don't have to remember these now. I will have them for you here in a second. The effective field goal percentage was 54. Nothing totally incredible about that. That's right about league average. Um, The defensive rebounding rate, which is interesting. Like, why would that impact Mike Conley? I don't know. There's a bunch of things since Mike Conley's gone out that are not happening. To me, they're a bit strange. Um... Involving Mike Conley. And the offensive rebounding rate was 43%, which doesn't involve Mike Conley, meaning the floor's bounce also might just be unsustainable. Since Mike Conley's gone out, so we're 8-3 and three in clutch games. We're now 0-4. Our differential is now minus 26. Our offense has gone from a 125 in the games where Mike Conley played to a 100 in the four games since Mike Conley's been out in the clutch. Okay, that's pretty big. The shooting has gone from, as I said, 54% to 50%. So not massive, but significant. Here's the number. The Jazz turnover rate in the clutch since Mike Conley's been out has gone from 11% to 29 in the four games since Mike Conley got hurt in Portland in the clutch within five with five minutes left the Jazz have turned the ball over on 29% of their possessions I mean we can just walk away now like that's it and that is the ball not being in the hands of Mike Conley. Now, I, I saw a comment that someone said that, like, hey, if, if the whole entire roster is built in the sense of dependent on a 35-year-old point guard, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. This roster was probably not built with the intention of maximizing wins for this season. It's part of a 36- to 48-month process in which we're getting there 
And it started brilliantly because a bunch of guys played really well, including Mike Conley, and had a lot of really good pieces. And you're right. It, I, I said the whole time that he was the thread holding the fabric together. And that thread has been pulled and the fabrics are now not as well together. On the rebounding rate, super interesting, our late game offensive rebounding rate, which was 43% with Mike Conley, is 43% without Mike Conley. Absolutely no different. The crazy one, and this could be who he played, teams figured it out, not as balanced. Who knows? Our defensive rebounding rate, since Mike Conley has not played in the clutch, and Mike does actually every now and then go get a big rebound. In the last four games in the clutch, our defensive rebounding rate, the percentage of Available defensive rebounds that we got is so far is 46%. So here's what's crazy about that. That's not like absolutely. Now, I've just run it over the last five games because most of these teams only played one or two. Here's what's crazy. In the last five games, and this includes a bunch of teams that have only had one or two clutch games. Detroit's actually had a few in this. That's um, that rate is is twenty six in the league. Minnesota, the Lakers, and the Spurs are worse. So we're garnering forty seven percent of our defensive rebounds in the last four games in the clutch. We're at sixty nine percent. So that's part two. Is when you can't clear the glass. So over half the time we're not clearing the glass. Then you can't get out and run the other direction. And then you're in the half court, and then you're probably more likely to turn it over. So these are a little bit cyclical on each other. Um, The defensive rating has gone from a 107 to a 126 in the clutch. Probably largely related to that defensive rebounding number and largely related to that that turnover number, depending on how many of those turnovers are live ball. How many of those are live ball turnovers in that circumstance? Um, because that's going that's going to tell you how often the opponent is getting a ball, taking it the other way, and scoring. So, if you look at, I'm trying to do it right now because I wasn't playing on it, just kind of brought that up. If you look at the last five games in the clutch, opponent steals seem to be at about one one a game. The Jazz in those four games have given up, I think, four steals. Um, so some, you know, it isn't like we're committing two live ball turnovers per. Now, if you go run the dates on the prior section that we were talking about, I'm sure that our numbers are not the same there, right? Our turnover rate was 11. percent Our turnover rate is now at 39 at 29. percent It's a big difference. And frankly, in the final five minutes, when there's probably 10 possessions on each side, if you're giving one of them away and it's a fast break the other way, that's detrimental. So that's where we're just blatantly, you know, the loss of Mike Conley is really, really significant in those moments. Just to wrap that up again, the key numbers, the turnover rate in the clutch, since Mike Conley's gotten hurt, has gone from 11% to 29%. The defensive rebounding rate has gone from 69% to 47%. 
The shooting actually is not that much worse. Our overall defensive rating has gone from a 107 to a 126. And our overall offensive rating has gone from a 125 to a 100. That's the difference between winning and losing. The other one that is just happening here, and I, I think they're both playing pretty hard and playing pretty well, is if you look at Nikhil Alexander-Walker and you look at Taylor Horton-Tucker, they're getting a bunch of time. Uh, uh, Nikhil didn't play one game, but in the four games since Mike's been, four of the five games since Mike's been out, Nikhil's averaging 17 minutes a game. He, he's you know done a lot of great things. He was even last night in the plus minus. He had three assists. He had six assists in the Golden State game. Three. He's done a great job. He has one significant weakness in his career, and that is he has not been able to put the ball in the basket with any efficiency. In his four games, he's shooting 38% from the field and 33% from three. He's really talented. There's like a lot of pieces of him that are super exciting. Um, his length, his ability to get defense deflections, his ability to play multiple guard spots. Um, there's a lot of great things. But he still, in four games, is shooting 38% from the field and 33% from three and playing 17 minutes. That, that's a, Those are hard numbers to have 17 minutes of your rotation. Taylor Horton Tucker, who's had, a, I think, a, just a terrific year of growth and really a lot of the same things. Great length, defensive prowess, doing his best to run the team. In the five games since Mike Conley's been out, He's got the same problem. He's done a lot of things great. Super good energy, great defensive length, great physical size, defensive versatility, offensive versatility. He's had a hard time putting the ball in the basket with any efficiency. He's playing 15 minutes a night, shooting 37% from the field and 33% from three. So Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Taylor Norton-Tucker, who's Role has spread their wings even more without Mike Conley. Both of them are getting 15 minutes a night. That's, you know, that's 30 minutes of our rotation is at 37% and 33% from three. That's kind of their bullshit and the exact same thing. That's hard. Like, that's, you gotta, like, no, they're doing a lot of other things great, but that simple fact that I'm talking about right there, you, you actually have to overcome that if you're the Jazz right now without, and you don't, to get through the game. So these are the areas where the margin that was on our side in the fact that the margins are so thin was a good thing right now has cost us five straight games. And that's too bad. Um, Our guys are, you know, the good news is the fight, the energy, the heart, the desire, all those things are still there. You're not watching this game and and thinking, you know, hey, the offense can get stymied and guys are missing some shots and some things like that, but you're not thinking, wow, there's no effort and there's no heart, there's no desire, and guys aren't going after it. Exact opposite. And that that's the good thing. But it's hard without I mean, we knew it was gonna be hard without Mike Conley. It's 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 super hard. And the players probably impacted the most we haven't talked about at all is Malik Beasley. And we I knew it the minute Mike Conley got hurt. Just every pass to him is a step late shorter, and his windows are a step smaller, and he's suddenly shooting thirty six percent from the field, and he's shooting thirty three percent from three in the five games without Mike. Uh, we'll look at some trends around the league. I don't think I have much more on us. Um, interesting draft pick impact on us. Um, something came down uh, that happened yesterday. One team has become crazy dominant. Um, and uh, I mentioned one that I'll mention again to keep an eye on uh, as we continue um, on today's program. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. 
with LinkedIn jobs and the rest all taking place uh, right now. Uh, my overlay is not working for some reason. Oh, there it is. There's my overlay. Um, these are inside things. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on right now. Um, and in this day and age where time is of the essence, that's why you want to go to LinkedIn. LinkedIn helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You just add your job, the purple hashtag hiring frame in your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills, experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidate you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. The... Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. Locked On Sports today. Also, Game to Game today. It's a Game to Game day. I'll be listening to that. My favorite. That's on Locked On NBA, by the way. I'll put a link up for you here. Um, so, a few things in the league right now. Carl Anthony Towns went down last night. Uh, my first reaction, if I'm being totally honest, is that that'll be good for Minnesota. They're a mess. They are playing soullessly. They seem to have too many players on the floor. It looked to me like watching them that D'Angelo Russell and Rudy Gobert were starting to figure each other out. They allowed a offensive rating by Washington last night of 139.9, which is crazy. Uh, 139.2, crazy, absolutely crazy, bonkers, bad by Minnesota. And my instinct was, you know what, if you take Cat off the floor, as weird as that sounds, as great as he is offensively, this will be good for them. Because now you just play D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards off of Rudy Gobert for a while, force them to all figure it out and get along, and you'll be all right. Here's what's crazy about that. So I then also figured I could have some data to back that up for you. And we care about this. We have Minnesota's draft pick. This is, this is important to us. Like Minnesota losing is actually something we should be rooting for on a nightly basis. And the fact that Minnesota is a game below 500 is a pretty unexpected twist on the Rudy Gobert trade right now. So I still fundamentally believe what I just said. However, I looked up Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Rudy Gobert, all on the floor together at the same time without Carl Anthony Towns. And the offense is in the zero percentile. At minus 23 differential for 100 possessions, the defense is in is all right in the 39th percentile. They're really good at forcing turnovers and they don't foul. Their effective field goal percentage is in the is 45 and they turn it over 20% of the time. There's only 101 possessions where they've done this. I don't think it's a big takeaway. Um, they played a bunch of them with Nas Reed, with Rudy Gobert, and I don't think that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. Um, their obsession with playing two bigs is kind of weird. Um so I think if you start to get into, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jalen McDaniels, Torian Prince, Rudy Gobert is your starting lineup, Jalen Noel, who I think is really good, with Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, and Rudy Gobert, I think you're, you really are really good, and that group has played four possessions together all year. So we'll see. I don't think there's enough data on it, but I wanted to show you that there was, oh, wow, not only did I not have data, it swung the other direction. Uh, 
I've done a bunch of research on when players from ACLs um, come back and look good. And the answer is that usually is that they have to stop play. In other words, the all-star break or the end of the season. And it doesn't really matter when they come back. It is worth keeping an eye on Jamal Murray. He had such a lengthy break of time. But there are some signs that he might be swinging it back around. And what's interesting is he didn't play some games in the middle there. He took some games off. And in the last kind of five games, he is, which has taken place over 15 days. So that's not a great sign. The fact that it's like he took a bunch of games off in the middle here. But over the last five games, Jamal Murray is shooting 44% from the field and 38% from three. He's suddenly averaging 21 points, six assists, and four rebounds a game. Last night, he busted out against a not very good Houston team for 31. The night before against the Clippers, he had 21 and had nine assists. In a game off in between that, he did have eight assists. Did not play particularly well against Detroit in a loss. So it's worth keeping an eye on because here's what's going on that has me intrigued here. Denver with Michael Porter Jr. barely playing in and out of the lineup all the time, and Nicole Jokic just carrying the load, and Jamal Murray not being right, is 13-7. and seven. Their differential is 11th best in the league, so there's no reason to believe that they're that good. My theory here is that they've snuck out a bunch of wins that they didn't deserve or that they didn't shouldn't get because Nicola wins close games. They're a game out of number one in the West, and if they're about to get right, they could actually win the West. The other one... Last night, I wanted to jump on, is Washington had an offensive rating of 139.2 last night, which is bonkers. Denver had an offensive rating of 132, which is bonkers. Neither of them had the best offensive rating of the night. The Boston Celtics had an offensive rating of 140, which I believe is the single best offensive rating of any team in any game all season long. Boston has the best offense as of right now, in the history of the NBA. They are, they, their offensive rating is a 122.4. Not only is that the highest offensive rating ever in the history of the NBA, which it makes some sense because the offenses are exploding. What I have not researched but is worth looking into, they are five points better than the second best offense in the NBA, according to Cleaning the Glass, which is Denver at 117.5. They are nearly 10 points better than the league average. Those are the numbers that actually probably matter rather than the best offense ever in the history of the game because the league offense is up and they're the best offensive team, so that's somewhat intuitive. I don't know how long this lasts, but here's the difference. Last year, the Utah Jazz had the best offense in the NBA. They were 5.3 points better than the league average. 5.3. Boston's almost 10. The year before that, the Brooklyn Nets had the best offense, which was one of the greatest offenses in the history of the NBA at 119.4. They were six points better than the number two, than the league average. Six. The year before that, the best offense in the NBA was the Dallas Mavericks. They were six points above the league average. What we have going on with Boston right now is they are nearly 10 points better than the league average. Now, on one level, you could say that's really probably not sustainable. But if you go back through the years, the number by which a team is the best in the league is six. 18-19, Golden State, six points better than the league average. Boston is currently at 10. So not only is Boston maybe the best offensive team ever in the history of the NBA, They're actually 9.5. Let me just be exact. 
but they are incomparative to league average, which is the relative number, maybe the best offense in the history of the NBA. Pretty wild. It is Locked on Jazz. Back with you tomorrow, Wednesday edition. We'll get ready for the Clippers. We'll probably look at league trends. I'll probably rewatch some Jazz games, done some late game finishing, all sorts of fun stuff. So thanks very much for tuning in. Appreciate you. Appreciate you being a part of Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast in the Utah Jazz. Now go make Locked on Sports Today your second listen. Have a great one.